once heard someone say a podcast is like a garden. The gardener puts in the effort, but everybody benefits. I think that's pretty accurate. This podcast is a labor of love, and I hope that every one of you is reaping the benefits. If you get lots of great information from this podcast and would like to support it monetarily, you can do that by becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month over on Patreon. I'd like to thank my patrons for supporting this and every episode of the Just Grow Something podcast, and if you'd like to join them, go to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething. The link is in the show notes. This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. Last week, we talked all about how to choose the right fruit tree for your garden. We covered things like climate, available space, and the time it takes to maintain a tree. This week, we'll dig into how to actually plant the tree. This is going to change, of course, based on what you're planting and where you're planting it. But the basics of it are pretty similar no matter what the tree is or your gardening space. Planting your tree the right way and avoiding some common mistakes will put you well on your way to getting years of fruit out of whatever tree you choose. And trust me, I have made some mistakes when planting our fruit trees. So we'll talk about picking the right spot for your tree, the best time of year to plant, and what to do to prepare the space for best results. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. So I'm not really feeling very well at the moment. That's why this podcast is coming out on Tuesday night instead of Tuesday morning. I just wasn't feeling very good yesterday, and there was no way I was going to be able to record. Um, I'm still not feeling 100%, so I'm going to shorten this episode just a little bit by skipping the DRL and going right into the question of the week. And the question of the week actually comes from my friend Tammy, who was just here visiting, and she was wondering why she didn't get any pumpkins from her plants last year. Now, Tammy and her husband Ray are both huge Halloween fans. They love decorating for Halloween, and they really go over the top. So it turned out, after asking her a few questions, that the pumpkins weren't really planted. She actually had just taken some of the decorative pumpkins that they'd had up and tossed them into her raised planter, and the next spring, after decomposing, they all sprouted. So she had big, beautiful pumpkin plants, but only male flowers, and so she never got any fruit. So there are a couple of reasons why this might have happened. It is possible that there actually were female flowers that she just didn't see, and maybe weather conditions or something else prevented the pollination from happening, and those flowers just ended up dropping. But more than likely, it would be 
because the pumpkins that we normally get for decorating for Halloween are hybrids. And so, you know, we've talked about this in episodes before. Hybrids are a crossbreeding of two, sometimes even four, different parent plants. Now, the reason we do hybrids is to get plants that have higher yields. They might mature earlier. They'll have a better uniformity between the different fruits. And, you know, maybe looking for an increase in the expression of certain traits, say color or size or shape or whatever. So the problem with saving hybrid seeds or, you know, letting them just go ahead and come back up as volunteers is that you are totally rolling the dice on what is going to happen. You're not going to get a plant that reproduces true to the type that it came from. Very, very rarely are you going to get that. Um, A lot of the time, these plants are going to revert back to the traits of one of the parent plants. So you might end up with something that looks a lot like the parent plant. It might show all of the traits that you really want, and it may be really juicy and tasty, or it might be huge and be exactly what you want. Or you could end up with a plant that doesn't have as many of those advantageous traits. Maybe it's more prone to disease. It doesn't taste very good. It doesn't produce properly. Or, in this instance, only produces male flowers. So, in this instance, that is probably the reason why Tammy did not get any fruit out of her pumpkin plant. She was still happy with the plant themselves because she finds them very pretty and it flowered beautifully. And those male flowers actually did end up having a good use because her neighbor apparently had some zucchini plants that were only getting female flowers but there were no male flowers to pollinate them. So she came over and took some of the male flowers from Tammy's pumpkin plant and took it over and they um, pollinated their zucchini plants with it and then they brought them some zucchinis once they actually had some fruit. So, you know, there was a good thing that came of this. But yeah, think about that. Oftentimes when you have volunteers coming up in the garden, if it came from a hybrid plant, a lot of the time it is not going to reproduce the same way. You very well may get fruit, and it may be great, but you are rolling the dice as to whether or not you're going to get anything at all or get something that just doesn't taste very good. Okay, so let's dig into actually planting your fruit trees. Once you've decided on the type and the variety of your tree, then we need to decide when we're going to plant and prep the planting area. So this could be in the yard where you've decided the tree will go straight into the ground. It could be raised planters or it could be pots on your porch if that's all you have the room for. I'm going to assume here that you've taken the adult size of the tree variety into consideration. If not, go back and listen to episode 103 again and get that part figured out. So let's start with the time of year to plant your tree. You can plant fruit trees pretty much at any time of the year, but the best time to plant a tree is in the spring, just when the ground becomes workable. The more time that you have between planting your tree and the heat of the summer hitting, the better off it is for the tree. The high temperatures in the summer are really stressful for brand new unestablished trees. It can cause them to suffer and they can even die before they get established. Now you can break ground and start preparing the soil basically as soon as it can be worked in the spring since the trees that you'll get in the spring will still be dormant. A light frost isn't going to hurt anything at that point if you're planting early. Now for some climates 
if you don't have a hard frost um, or you have a very, very late one, planting in the fall might work best, especially if you're in one of those zones like 9, 10 that gets really, really hot in the middle of the summer and that heat starts very, very early in the year. If you plant them in the early fall, the tree is still going to have plenty of time to establish its roots. It's already avoided all of that summer heat, and it has a longer time to be able to get established before it has to sort of hunker down for the winter. So it's important to think about these things ahead of time because when you plant will also depend on the type of plant that you purchase, whether you're getting bare root trees or container-grown trees. Now, bare root trees are the most economical option. I mean, sometimes they can be like half the price of a container-grown tree, and you can often get discounts on them if you're buying more than five trees at a time. Most nurseries will sell them um, from the late winter on into the spring, specifically for early spring planting. And they're really easy to ship if you're looking for something specific. Although, I would recommend buying as close to home as possible. Remember, these are usually one to two-year-old trees. So that little tree is going to be a little bit more acclimated to your climate to begin with if you buy from a nursery that is close by. But I understand that's not always possible, so bare root trees are an option if you need to have them shipped in. Um, this is the thing, though, about bare root trees. You have to plant them early before they break dormancy because as soon as they start growing, they're going to die if they don't have access to the soil and the moisture and the nutrients. So an early spring planting, often before your last frost even hits, and before the plant break dormant, breaks dormancy is the key to bare root trees. Now, container-grown trees typically are available later in the spring, and sometimes, you know, all the way through the summer and into the fall. So they might not be as established if you try to plant them um, right after you get them in the spring because the hot temperatures of the summer, you know, may show up too early for them to be fully established. So the container-grown trees might be a better option for you if you live in a climate where a fall planting might do better. They are more expensive, and not all trees are available in containers, but this is often what you see in the garden centers at the big box stores. So if you don't live near a nursery, and these are your only option, try to get them as early in the season as possible to get them established before the heat hits, or if you're in a more temperate climate, then just wait until the fall in, and then go ahead and plant them then. I can tell you that the first set of trees that we ever purchased for when we were on the five acres, I had ordered online and I had gotten them bare root. And I actually broke a lot of the rules that we're going to talk about today when I planted those trees. But I planted them very early as soon as they showed up, as soon as I could work the ground, and those trees did phenomenally well. The trees that I have here on the 40-acre property, the plum trees, have not fared so well. And those were trees that were purchased here locally, but they were from a big box store and they were container-grown trees. And they have not done nearly as well. And I did make some mistakes when planting them, but I'm, I'm beginning to think that that was the reason why. They just didn't have enough time to really establish themselves and they have sort of struggled over the last five years. So if I were to do it again, I would absolutely do it either from bare root 
or see if I could time it towards the end of the season before we ended up getting our first frost. But that doesn't leave a whole lot of time here because our first frost hits middle of October. So um, really, I think our best bet here would be bare root. So whether you're going to plant them in the spring or the fall, just keep in mind that a young tree needs time to establish its roots. That makes it easier for it to find water and nutrients, and that needs to happen before the stress of either the very hot summer or the cold winter. So let's talk about choosing the place to plant your tree. The best site to plant a fruit tree depends on what type of tree you want to grow. Um, some fruit trees will actually handle growing in part shade pretty well. Plums, quince, pears, and the American pawpaw will actually do well in as few as six hours of sun. So if you don't have a full sun area in your yard, those may, might be ones that you would choose from. Most fruit trees do need a minimum of eight hours of sunlight daily in order to produce fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to get eight hours of sunlight during the hottest part of your day. It could be just morning sun. Choose your planting space wisely based on your climate. Think about how hot it gets in your area. And if you're planting something that might be just sort of on the edge of being able to do well in your climate, you may want to plant it in an area where it gets afternoon shade, protecting it from some of that heat. And there are some varieties that are being developed specifically for shady areas. So if you wanted to do something other than, you know, the plums or the pears or whatever that I mentioned, um, you might be able to find varieties now of other things that would be okay for a shady spot. Just make sure you read the requirements for each tree and each variety that you want to grow before you buy it and before you plant it. So... Once again, be sure that you know the mature size of the tree, and that includes the root zone. There's this saying in landscaping, right tree, right place. You don't want to plant something now that in 10 years will have grown into your water main or upended your patio pavers. Pay attention to where your power lines are, your utility lines, your sewers, sidewalks, anything that a full-size tree might run into either overhead or with its roots. Now, if you're planting in containers, be sure that you're ready to move these containers around as the season changes if your area that you're planting in gets full sun in the early spring, but then maybe is fully shaded by midsummer because of tree cover or whatever. If I were to try to put pots of fruit trees on my back porch, they would do just fine in the early spring. But by mm, late spring, early summer, when all those walnut trees uh, fill in, it's nothing but shade back there. So I would have to move those off of the deck for the remainder of the summer and then move them back in the fall. So just pay attention to the way that the sunlight in your planting area sort of shifts through the seasons and be ready to adjust accordingly. And this is good to, to think about because if this means that you need to put bigger pots on casters before you plant to make it easier to move around, then go for it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
The next thing that you want to do is test your soil for pH, nutrients, and drainage. You know I am always harping on the benefits of a soil test, and this is no exception. The soil should have a pH range from between 6.0 to 7.5, but research the type of tree that you're planting to find the proper pH range for it specifically. Um, you should test your soil for nutrients, too. Amending the soil for, like, annual vegetable crops, okay, that's one thing. But amending it for a fruit tree that's going to be in that space for decades is a completely different animal. You actually want to avoid amending if possible because once the roots of the tree grow past the amended soil, they're going to need to be able to survive on the nutrients that are naturally available. So giving them a bunch of nutrients to begin with won't be helpful in the long run. You also want to check the soil drainage. You do this by digging a hole about a foot deep or 0.3 meters um, and then filling it with water. If the water drains quickly, then the area should be fine for planting the fruit tree. But if the water stands in that hole, you may want to choose another part of the yard to plant. Um, or you can amend the soil in that area just a little bit to make it better draining. Otherwise, you may want to consider planting in a raised planter bed where you can completely control the soil. Most fruit trees, especially apples, do not like having their feet wet all the time, so you need to choose your spot wisely. If you do choose to amend, dig the soil out to about a depth of 2 feet or so, 0.6 meters, and work in a little bit of compost, and then try your test again. Like I said, you don't want to amend too much because the tree roots are eventually going to spread into that native soil. So be sure the bulk of what you're planting into is still native. If you have to do too much to get it to the right texture to either retain the water or drain the water, then you just want to choose a different spot altogether or go the container route instead. Now, for those of you planting in pots or raised containers, raised planters, any good quality potting mix should do just fine. Cheaper is not the way to go here. You want the good quality stuff. Also, if you buy the good quality stuff and it looks a little bit off, it probably is. I made this mistake in the spring. It wasn't with the fruit trees, but it was with my seedlings. I ran out of the potting mix that I usually use, which is ProMix. I've never had a problem with my ProMix, but they ran out. Everything was out of stock. So I bought another brand that I had used in the past. And when I got it home and I was getting ready to use it, it just didn't look right. It was really chunky, but I thought, you know what? I don't have the time to go run back and go out and bring this back and find another bag. I need to get these seedlings potted up. Let me just do it. Um, bad idea. I should have trusted my gut and I should have brought it back and gotten something else because the seedlings that I potted them that into that potting soil did absolutely nothing. They were completely stunted. They were a total loss. And I'm talking about multiple trays full of plants. So if you buy a good potting soil and you open it up and it doesn't look like it's right, like it's the right texture or whatever, don't be afraid to go ahead and take it back and find a replacement. Um, so use a good potting soil for, for your pots or your raised planters. And then go ahead and add a few handfuls of some good garden soil in there too. That's going to inoculate the potting soil with the beneficial microbes that are present in your native soil. And that's just going to help your plant in its growth. 
And for growing in pots, make sure that you are getting the pot size appropriate to the mature size of your tree and do yourself a favor and don't go for plastic pots. Composite pots are fine, clay, glazed clay, whatever. You want something that's going to last and that isn't going to crack in the sun. You also want to make sure that it has proper drainage holes at the bottom so that your tree doesn't get waterlogged. Okay, so preparing the hole um, or the container. If you're planting in the ground, you want to dig the hole about two to three times wider than the current root ball of your tree. But you want to make sure that it's not deeper than the current pot that you're holding that's holding the tree, if it's a potted specimen, or the root ball itself, if it's a, if it's a bare root. The bottom of the hole should only be as deep as the root ball. And then the diameter of the hole is likely going to be about three to five feet wide. So it's definitely going to be sort of a saucer shape. Don't think about digging a column deep down. It's going to be wider than it is deep, more than likely. Um, if it's a bare root tree, just look closely at the root ball and don't dig the hole any deeper than that to be sure that you're not planting it deeper than the grafting point. Okay, what am I talking about? So most fruit trees are grafted. This means that the root stock at the bottom of the tree is a different variety than the fruiting part above the graft. So generally speaking, the root stock, which is that bottom part, is chosen for its hardiness and its ability to maybe bear fruit earlier also helps to control the size. So if you're going for a, a dwarf or a semi-dwarf, plant. That root stock is what controls that. The scion or the fruiting part that gets attached to that is usually chosen for the flavor, the texture, the color, those types of things. So if you plant the soil or if you plant, if you plant the tree so deep that the soil hits above where that graft is, then the top part of the tree is going to make roots to put down into the soil on its own, which totally negates all of the benefits of that special rootstock. So the grafting point in a potted tree um, is always going to be, or should be, above the soil line in the pot. So dig the hole deep enough to be able to just plant it evenly with that soil line. If it's a bare root tree, you'll be able to look at the lower portion of the tree trunk and see where the graft is. It'll look like a large knot, maybe six inches or so above where the roots are. You can totally Google, um, you know, do a Google search on what is a grafting point look like or what does a graft look like, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You just want to be sure to keep that knot several inches above the soil line. Now, at this point, with your hole, if the nursery that you got the trees from or your local extension recommends adding any minerals at planting, now is the time to do that. Okay, and notice I said minerals, things like dolomite lime, gypsum, rock phosphate, that sort of thing. In some areas, it's recommended to add slow-release nutrients in the form of these minerals if there's a chronic deficiency in your soil type. It's usually a regional thing. So check with the nursery or a local expert on that. You do not want to add fertilizer, and this goes for if you're planting in pots and containers as well. 
too many nutrients too early, specifically nitrogen, um, especially while the tree is getting established, can actually kill the tree. Right, And so remember, the same thing we talked about earlier, we don't want to amend that native soil any more than we have to because the tree is going to have to learn to survive off of what is already in the soil. And again, if you're doing a, a in containers or in pots, your potting mix is going to have whatever nutrients are needed for that plant to get started, so don't add anything additional. Okay, so let's get to the actual planting of the tree. If you're planting bare root trees, the roots need to soak in a bucket of water in a shady location for about one to two hours before planting. That's just enough to rehydrate their tissues. At that point, then just trim off any roots that might have been damaged in, in transport. Don't soak them for any longer than two hours, though, because then you can actually drown the roots. Look for the flare of the trunk above the root ball on the bare root trees, or they'll be near the soil level if you're planting container-grown trees. Sometimes garden nurseries will bury the tree a little bit too deep in the container, so you might have to pull some of the soil back to find the trunk flare. And this will be obvious. It, so it sounds, or it looks just like it sounds. It flares out at the bottom before it gets to the roots. The reason you want to identify this is because the, it's recommended to place the tree with up to about 25% of the root ball slightly higher than the surrounding soil level, and then use the existing soil to cover all of the roots. This is going to help the water run away from the tree rather than collecting around the trunk of the tree, and so that's going to keep it from rotting at the base of the tree while it gets settled in. This also um, helps ensure that you can mulch the tree properly without covering the grafting point. And we'll get to that when I talk about mulching more. So after your tree is in the hole and you've sort of spread the roots out, fill the hole in with the remaining soil and then pack the soil around the roots. This is kind of important because if there's big air pockets around the roots, then the tree can actually dry out before it gets a chance to settle in. So be sure to tamp the soil down really well. Now, you can also water really well at this point to help eliminate those air pockets and get those roots established in the soil. So add some of your soil, press it down gently, water really well until it settles and sinks down, and then add some more soil, press it down, and water again. Just do this over and over again until the soil reaches the actual ground level, and then be done. Don't overwater because you don't want those roots waterlogged. So then after you've got that plant, or after you've got the tree planted, um, you want to, more than likely, you're going to want to stake the plant. And this is one mistake that I've made, and that's not staking my fruit trees when I planted them. I'm paying for that now with the plum trees. They tend to lean very heavily to one side. So it's important to stake your tree when planting, basically to protect it from wind damage. And I'm guessing that sort of that, combined with the fact that we planted sort of on a slope a little bit, is probably why our trees tend to lean. There's several ways to do this, but the most common method is to put that stake in before filling the hole with the soil. Actually, alternatively to that, you can just push it in after you've gotten the soil backfilled and then, you know, tamped it down tightly. Either way, the stake should basically be about a third of the tree's current height. And again, you can do Google searches and you can find pictures of how to stake trees properly. But staking is also super important for pots or container-grown trees and maybe even more so than your in-ground trees. 
Um, you also might want to place your containers in an area that is out of the path of direct winds while your trees are getting established in their pots or the containers and then move them to their permanent spot. Oh, and if you plan to do any of that fancy trellising with your trees, like the espalier or cordon, now is the time to put the trellis in place. Uh, I'm not going to go into that because that is fancy fancy, and I've not even attempted it, but you can, again, look that up and see if that's one way that you might want to trellis your trees, and if that's the case, then now is the time to do that too. So then let's talk about mulch. Yeah, you know I was going there, right? You know I love my mulch. <laughs> so whether it's in ground or it's in a pot or it's in a container, you want to mulch your fruit tree and you want to do it right away. Um, before I was such an avid proponent of mulch, I failed to do this and again have paid the price. Putting the mulch down is going to help retain the moisture in the soil. It's going to protect the roots. It will also help to keep those roots a little bit cooler once that summer heat hits to help keep that plant from or the tree from being damaged while it's trying to settle in. It's also going to prevent the grass and the weeds from growing around those in-ground trees and keep them from competing for nutrients and water as well. Now you should have a two to three inch deep layer of mulch and it should be spread out about two feet from the trunk in all directions or to the edge of your pot if you're planting in a patio variety. Um, you do not though want the mulch touching the trunk. So leave a few inches of space between the base of the tree and your mulch. If the mulch is too deep or if it gets piled against the trunk of the tree, it can cause damage to the roots. But it can also invite in unwanted guests to the trunk like insects and diseases. And as long as you've planted properly, keeping the mulch away from the trunk also ensures that the grafting point is not covered by mulch. It needs to remain visible above the ground level. So pay careful attention to how you lay out the mulch. And then finally, you likely are going to want to protect the trunk. You might need to provide that young fruit tree with some protection if you live in an area where deer or rabbits are prevalent. Um, they may eat the bark off of the trunk and that opens it up to insect pests and diseases and it possibly can damage the vascular system of the tree. It's also going to prevent helpful people who may not be paying attention while they're doing yard work, either running into the tree with the lawnmower or walking around with a weed whacker, which can also cause damage to the tree and invite in those pests and diseases. I'll give you one guess as to how I know this happens. <laughs> so you can protect your trees with a barrier of like chicken wire or hardware cloth circled around it like a little small fence. Um, or there are collars that are specifically designed to protect the trunks of trees. And if you do use anything that is wrapped around the tree itself, like a collar, be sure that you're paying attention to the growth of the tree so it can be removed before it gets too tight. So that's it. That covers the planting of your new fruit tree. I know it's kind of a lot. It sounds like a lot. It's really not. Um, I'm going to try to go ahead and put an article over on the website that deals with this very specifically and kind of lays it out step by step for you so that you have an actual reference to go back to. There's still more to come in the care of those trees, but the gift, this gives you a good start and it gives your tree the best start. Like I said, I have definitely made mistakes when planting my fruit trees and some of them have borne the burden of that better than others for sure. So save this episode and come back to it when you're ready to plant your fruit trees. And then, you know, share these episodes with anyone that you know who's considering fruit trees for their garden. 
Thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden. And we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to Patreon.com slash Just Grow Something to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon.